morning, everyone. Welcome to our church and uh, the communion tables. This, uh, this is a serious time when we do communion because we want to ask God's special presence. And we know that God is holy, right? So we must clean our heart and our soul so that he can be really close to us without harming us. So let's give God a moment of confession. Dear God in heaven, our creator, our king, our judge, and our father, we come to you with gratefulness. First of all, thanking you for creating us, giving us life. You created the whole universe for the purpose of giving this earth as a place for physical life. And among all lives, you've given the humans your full image with the free will who might know your love. And uh, with that, also given the choice and the consequence of making the wrong choice. Our first ancestor made the wrong choice. They were deceived. And from then on, we have been born with sin and living with sin, hurting people with sin and damaging our relationship, departing from you further and further with sin. And we could not have saved ourselves because all of our service is for self-purpose. Even those who are doing good are for themselves. So there is no salvation until you gave us your son, your only begotten son, the eternal son, the second member of the Trinity, the eternal triune God, that you set him as the Redeemer from the beginning when you elected the, the church to be the bride of Christ. He has volunteered himself as the, the sacrifice to pay for our sin. You sent him. He trusted you. He lived a sinless life and didn't deserve death. He died because of his obedience to you and love for us. And you, faithfully, you resurrected him and uh, elevated him, now sitting on your right hand. And he is given all authorities under heaven and on earth and below the earth and everything. And he shall come again to rule over everything with an iron staff. But before then, you have given us the age of grace, the church age when the elect are called and justified and sanctified if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and guaranteed to be glorified. All of this is your great plan, your great work. It's for your glory and it's for Christ's glory. And you have put us into a position of fellow heir with Christ of your kingdom and estate. This is certainly not anything we deserve but it's a fact that you have decreed and we gladly receive we are glad that we have been put on a position high up in the household of god as sons and um, while we were children now many of us still act as children so we pray that you let us 
not only saved, but also being sanctified. And uh, not, not only going to heaven, but also living the heavenly life on earth by surrendering our soul to the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit rule over the soul and the flesh so that your life in us, Christ's life in us, may exhibit to others who can see Christ and be attracted to your household. We pray that your work through us is done daily, weekly, and we can overcome the sins that we have done. Since the last time we had our communion, any words, thoughts, and actions that have departed from absolute holiness, from your character, and Christ's law, which is the Beatitude, we confess and we pray that forgiveness, restoration, and sanctification comes. And we pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit so that we may live in truth and love and we may be glorifying your name through our actions on this earth. You have given this opportunity to live in space and time only to humans. And we have some position that the angels desire and the demons want. So let us not live a life in vain, but to glorify you and to accumulate eternal, imperishable wreath for ourselves. We pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Please be seated with me. In our devotional communion, we have been doing a series called The Spirit of the Law. Okay. God gave us the Ten Commandments, popularly called, it's really called the Decalogue, Ten Words in the Bible. And the Ten Words carried ten um, spirits of the law, which are principles, general principles. And uh, the, the case laws form blocks that correspond to them, illustrate them, apply them. So this is one of the discoveries that I almost made into a dissertation, but uh, didn't. Okay. So it will be something else written later. Um, but um, now we have um, overviewed six, okay? 
I found out last week, we did number six, which is thou shalt now kill. In the King James Bible, but really in Hebrew, he used the word for murder. There are two different words. So thou shalt not murder. That's the literal meaning. But in general, it means you should respect life, especially human life, okay? Because we have God's image. So disrespecting human life is disrespect, disrespecting God, okay? So the seventh, okay, of the Ten Commandments and the tenth, seventh word, it's also simple. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Literally means you shall not have a sexual relationship with another man's wife. Does that Crossover, also, you shall not have a sexual relationship with another man's husband. Well, yeah, it, you know, we should expect that applies too. And uh, um, it goes beyond that. There are case laws that forbids all kinds of sexual deviations. Okay? So sex with children, pedophilia, absolutely not. Sex with animal, absolutely not. Sex with the people of same sex, absolutely not. Sex before marriage, don't. Sex so outside marriage, which is the literal adultery, don't. Okay, and then sex with blood relatives, close blood relatives, called incest, absolutely not. So there are so many definitions and uh, uh, and exclusions defining the boundary of what not to do. It gives us a meaning and then a concept of you shall respect marriage. Okay, why is this? Because the previous one is life, right? Where does life come from? Through married couples and family that they raise, raise good children. So, um, yeah, the, the value, the social values, the top social values are you shall respect life and you shall respect marriage. And for societies that don't respect these two, the society does not have a right to exist. For example, before the flood, what happened on this earth? There were sons of God, Nephilim, who mixed with daughters of man, so they didn't respect marriage between man and ma one man and one woman. Okay, and then uh, and then they created this giants, and giants kill people at will, so they don't respect life. So what happened to the pre-diluvian population on this earth? God wiped it out. And that there is only one holy war in the Bible that God commissioned, which is Israel against the Canaanites. He has two extensions to the Amorites and the Amalekites because they learned the Canaanite lifestyle. And what do the Canaanites do? What are their goat? They sacrifice their firstborn child. So in other words, everyone is a murderer. What is the right punishment for murderers? Death penalty. Okay, what if a nation is all murderers? Genocide is the justice. Okay, so um, that was the holy war. Okay, and beyond that, they also do something else. They believe in weird theology that rain, which is what caused the land of Canaan to become the land of milk and honey, rain. If you have right rain, you have grass and you have... Um, milk, and then you have flour and you have honey, okay? So the land is rich if you have the right rain in the right season, okay? The, the winter rain and the early rain, latter rain, so on. And uh, um, 
they believe that the rain came, comes down when Baal and his wife have sex in heaven, and the semen of Baal causes the rain to be the cloud to become rain. That's their theology. So how do you cause them to have sex in heaven? By going to high places and mate with the temple prostitutes in the public to let the heavens see an XXX video on earth. Okay? And that's how they disrespected marriage. So what does it mean when the husband tells wife, I'm going to worship God? He's going to a temple prostitute. So, you see how weird and wicked they are. Okay? That's why God commissioned the holy war. This, this society doesn't respect life nor marriage. That's why it has no right to exist. Of course, thank God he makes examples. He doesn't always immediately judge sins. If he does, there will be no living people on this earth. So he makes examples. He killed the two sons of uh, Aaron, when they used the strange fire to worship God, he killed Ananias and Sapphira when they lied before the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't kill all lies today in the church. If that, you know, otherwise church will be all empty, right? So he does examples, but he said the principle, right? You shall respect life and you shall respect marriage. And that's the second because life comes through the marriage, okay? And uh, societies who who don't respect life and marriage have no right to exist. Expect God's judgment. Look at our t today. What is the prevalent life, uh, prevalent sin in our society? Abortion, which is disrespecting life. Okay, and divorce uh, by whatever reasons. Okay, and that's disrespecting marriage and premarital sex extramarital sex and, uh, well, the homosexuality uh, and then the next step will be pedophile and, uh, um, and uh, bestiality. They are all going to justify that. Why? Because that's just what Satan wants to degrade human beings so that we will commit so uh, much sins that God will join with Satan in destroying us. That's what Satan wants. So what would the should the church do? Be holy. Be righteous. Be loving. But always stand on the side of righteousness. And don't give up. And God, usually, he relents in judging a whole society if there are even a few righteous in there. Until a certain time, when he has to judge all. There are times when even if you are as righteous as Noah or um, what Job and Daniel, these people can only save themselves but not their society. There are those times. But in general, if you have pity to the souls of sinners around us and you want to give them a chance to be saved, you be righteous so that God will not judge the society. And then you tell the gospel. Of course, through love, you win their heart, and through your word, you tell the truth. And it's in truth, we are free, and we are free so we can serve. So in that light of thought, let's remember Christ's grace. He gave his, his body as a payment for our sins. When we take this unleavened bread, think about his sacrifice.
Oh, so Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross to cover our lives from God's wrath, and he also, uh, he, he's now our protector, in the sense like a, a man protects his family, his wife, and so on. And he also promised that he will come again, and he will drink real wine at the uh, uh, wedding of the Lamb with his bride, which is all the church, and we are living in expectation of that day. So remember the past, be grateful, look in the future, be hopeful, and be righteous all the time with all our might, by God's might and for his glory. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving us, uh, even though we don't deserve it, but you decided to love, and you will love us till death, and then you gave us life, your life. You gave your life so that we will not die, but we might have a life that's worth living. We thank you for your sacrifice, for your love, and then we also thank you for your promise. Your word counts in our heart. We trusted in you. We entered this relationship with you, and we were waiting for your second coming. We are not trusting in our own minds and thoughts and actions, especially not the flesh, because we still have the sinful nature in us. But we are trusting in the Holy Spirit whom you put in us. We pray that as we take this communion, remember your grace, that the Holy Spirit will, according to our uh, asking, to fill us and protect us and lead us so that we may become holy and faithful and dedicated when we meet you. And we pray that you'll call us faithful. Pray in your name for our Father. Amen.